This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. A lot to break down in this one, but first off, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day, free and available on every platform you can imagine. We sincerely appreciate it. Rockets ultimately falling by a final score of 107 to 97 against the Boston Celtics in their second home game of the season. No Jalen Brown for the Celtics. No problem, apparently, as it was a relatively competitive game for the first half. And where else can we start other than anointing Jalen Green, our Locked on Rockets player of the game? There is no contest in this one. Jalen absolutely put the team on his back, and we saw an absurdly ridiculous performance out of him in just his third NBA game ever 30 points on 11 of 18 shooting eight of 10 from behind the three-point line didn't attempt a single free throw and still managed to score 30 points it took it took Dwayne Wade 22 games to score 30 uh, to score 30 plus at the NBA level took LeBron 17 games to do it you know who else did it in three games Michael Jordan scored 30 plus in his third game ever as an NBA player. And now Jalen Green can be mentioned alongside him for all eternity. And uh, when when I asked Jalen that question about what it means to be mentioned along those guys, he just, what else can you say other than that's lit, that's crazy, right? He was kind of, I mean, he was smiling ear to ear. And then middle of the night, he decided to share a photo of, of you know, him as a kid with uh, Michael Jordan, I'm guessing at a basketball camp somewhere. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that. I thought that was pretty cool. But overall, an insanely impressive performance from Jalen Green. The Rockets were largely competitive across the first half. They went into halftime trailing by just two, but come out you know, really flat in the third quarter. Unfortunately, the Celtics taking advantage uh, of that uh, halftime gap and coming out to a 36-21 to 21 quarter in the third frame, really kind of pulling away from there. Jason Tatum really started to kind of take over the game at that point. And you could really see like one, one, you got to tip your cap to Jason Tatum who had a phenomenal night in his own right. 31 points, 12 of 24 shooting four of 11 from behind the three point line. So a solid overall performance from Jason Tatum. The Celtics defense was causing the Rockets some problems as the game waned on, but overall, that first half, uh, I mean, the Rockets looked good. They came away plus eight after the first quarter, 30 to 22 after the first frame. Jalen Green sunk three of his eight triples in that opening quarter, had nine points by the end of the first quarter, which is impressive considering he only had nine points in each of the first two games of this season. So that was the moment. After he sunk the second triple, I was like, this is going to be the Jalen Green breakout game. I said as much on Twitter. I was like, I'm feeling it. This is the Jalen Green breakout game. And then when he came up and hit not quite the buzzer beater, but the shot to end the first quarter, the pull-up three-pointer from about 
I don't know, three, four, five steps from behind the three point line. That was the moment where I was like, okay, we're headed for a very, very special night for Jalen Green because it's always special to remember the first big game for a rookie on a new team or just the first big game for a new player on a new team. I still remember James Harden's first game clear as day on the road against the Pistons, right? His first game as a Houston Rocket. That's a memory that's going to be forever etched in my mind. This game will be a memory that is forever etched in my mind, even though the Rockets didn't come away with the win. Watching Jalen slowly rack up the triples as the game went along and just kind of counting like, okay, there's three. Okay, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven. Okay, what's the rookie record, right? Fell one shy of just tying the rookie record, unfortunately, uh, but does hold the rookie record for the Houston Rockets for made three-pointers in a game with eight. And he also had, I mean, those those couple really impressive uh, dunks in transition off the off the kind of the breakaway slams, the the feeds from Jay Sean Tate both times, basically. Um, it was an overall really impressive like welcome to the NBA performance from Jalen Green and Steven Silas was talking about his approach to the game post game and basically highlighting the fact that he really let things kind of come to him in this game. He didn't try to force anything. And while it's exciting as all hell to talk about the 30 point, the 30 piece that Jalen Green had early in the game, it really felt like he was facilitating really well. I've really enjoyed watching his development in the pick and roll and how he's getting increasingly more and more comfortable kind of snaking through those pick and rolls, keeping his dribble alive, kind of evaluating and reading and reacting to how the defense is deciding to play him in those pick and roll scenarios. And I think one of the prettiest plays of this game for the Rockets was early on when Jalen Green was running pick and roll with Daniel Tice, kind of snake, you know, got the initial screen, snaked through, got into the lane, waited for both defenders to overcommit towards him as he near as he got near the uh, the the basket, and then just threw a quick pass right over the top of the defense to a wide open Daniel Tice for the slam. So as he continues to get comfortable navigating the pick and roll, keeping his dribble alive, feeding his teammates like that, it's going to continue to unlock and open other parts of his game. It was great that he had the three-point shot falling tonight because the Boston Celtics switch everything defense was really kind of flattening out the offense for the Rockets. It was making things difficult for them to get some of the looks that they would normally like to get. They didn't get to run nearly as much pick and roll. They didn't get to run as many of the the curls and sets that they normally do because of the switching. It, it caused them some problems. So Jalen had no problem, you know, just kind of sizing up his defender. And if he had space, then he was going to pull the trigger. And there were a few times where he was coming off, you know, coming off ball and was able to catch the ball and just have enough of a separation between his defender, whether it be, you know, running baseline, what have you, to be able to pull the trigger immediately for a three-point attempt rather than having to, you know, ISO on his defender in the first place. So I really liked what we saw out of Jalen Green in this one. It's going to be the first of many 30-point games in his career. But I want to know, how many 30-point, how many more, I should say, 30-point games do we expect Jalen Green to have this season? I ballparked it at somewhere around 10 to 15. I called it, I, I, I was being uber aggressive thinking that he was going to have anywhere from 10 to 15 30-point games this season alone. 
So I want to know from you, how many 30-point games do you think Jalen Green has the rest of the way? Coming up, I want to talk about Christian Wood, Jay Shantae, their impact and their production in this game. Also want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. And as he, you know, what's going on with him as he continues to adjust to the point guard role, as well as what we've learned so far through three games about Steven Silas's rotations. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. Just use promo code NBA on your first deposit and you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is fantasy made easy. And another message from our friends over at DirecTV because look, I'm sure this sounds pretty familiar, right? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff that you're missing out on, right? Well, let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place, no more hassle. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Talking about the Rockets 107-97 loss against the Boston Celtics falling to one and two on the season. Now I want to talk about Christian Wood here for a moment because overall I felt like he had a pretty solid performance in this game finished the night 20 points uh just 5 of 14 shooting so the efficiency not quite where you'd like to see it um nine rebounds one assist one steal overall for for C Wood I liked some of what I saw out of him in this game. I think he he played well around the three-point line, was able to kind of get to some of his spots there. Uh, he had that one three-point attempt off of a really beautiful feed in the corner from Jalen Green. Again, Jalen doing a good job, not only passing in this game, or not only scoring in this game, but, but passing and facilitating for his teammates, really playing within the flow of the offense. Like at no point did it really felt like he was forcing anything. Uh, but my one one of the takeaways that I had for for Christian Wood this game is, uh, one, his free throw shooting looked considerably better. So eight of 10 from the charity stripe for Seawood. You love to see that improvement for him. And then two, it didn't feel like he fa- he was facing up nearly as much in this game. It, it felt like at times he was getting the ball, you know, in the post a few times and tried to back down uh, either Robert Williams or Grant Williams. And both of those guys, I thought, did an exceptional job of using their size uh, to prevent making, you know, for, prevent Christian Wood from getting any easy attempts at the rim. And I think that when Christian is going up against guys that are, you know, arguably stronger than him, maybe a little bit smaller than him, but stronger than him, because Robert Williams and Grant Williams are both pretty sizable dudes. He needs to not try to power them down in the post, which is what we saw happen a few different times in this one. Instead, he needs to use his quickness, his agility to face them up. 
and get into that triple threat stance and try to just blow by them because he's a faster player. So, and then he can use his his length, his size to finish over the top of them easier if he's facing them up rather than if he's backing them down and then trying to like spin into a shot right at the rim. So unfortunately, the efficiency not quite there for Christian Wood. Not a terrible overall game from him though, kind of middle of the pack performance from him. I did like the multiple connections that we saw and the dynamic that we're seeing grow between him and Alper and Shingun as they share time on the basketball floor together. We saw multiple times where Alper and Shingun found Christian Wood for a bucket. We saw Christian Wood feed Alper and Shingun down low when he got a good, a good seal on one of the Celtics players and was able to feed that pass directly into him. That dynamic between those two guys, we're only three games in, and it's only going to continue getting better and better. They're able to play off of each other so well. And for those of you clamoring for Alper and Shingun to start the game, look, Shingun has been amazing. He's been, you know, he is as built, if not better. Um, he is a, absolutely an NBA talent. You go through his stat line. Uh, seven point, look, j- just one of five shooting, right? And the one of five doesn't look remarkable right off the jump, but he was so much more impactful than just the one of five shooting, which would tell you he had seven points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals, one block, one turnover, did have five fouls in just 19 minutes. Um, there are, there are definitely certain aspects of Shingun's game where you look at him and you like, wow, he's playing like, like a 10 year savvy inter- NBA veteran. And then there's other moments, especially with the foul trouble, where you look at him and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely a rookie. Like he's still getting used to like what he can and can't do at the NBA level, um, how to be, a, how to be, you know, where, when he's being too aggressive, when he's picking up too many fouls. He's, I mean, this would be what 19 minutes, five fouls. That'd be 10 fouls per 36, right? So, <clears throat> as talented as Shingun is, I would just ease into the idea of him starting right away. Daniel Tice has still shown that he's a capable defender. Offensively, things don't flow nearly as as smoothly as they do when Daniel Tice is on the floor alongside Christian Wood. But, and then we'll talk about this a little bit more in the rotations bit that I want to get to in the third segment, but I, I kind of envision Daniel Tice just playing a consistent, like, you know, somewhere 20 to 25 minutes a night coming into the season. And so far that's basically what he's done. Each and every game has been that consistent, like in between, you know, around 20 to 25 minutes ballpark, give or take. And then Shingun soaks up about 15 to 20 minutes. And then we get some time with Christian Wood at the center spot for about eight to 10 minutes a night. And that's kind of what I predicted the rotations would be for the bigs coming into the season. So it's nice to see that kind of come to fruition. And over time, I think we'll see Shingun's minutes start to ramp up as he gets more and more comfortable, as he gets further up to speed, and as Steven Silas tries to pair more of Shingun and Wood together. Now, another guy that I want to take a moment to, to highlight is Jay Sean Tate, but I actually forgot one point that I wanted to mention on Jalen Green. And so I do want to circle back to that for a moment. One, just like the dunks were incredible. I just had to throw that one back out there. But um, at the end of the first half, Jalen Green was already, I mean, he he was already, what, six of seven? Yeah, six of seven from the three-point line, I believe, at the end of the first half, or five or five of six at the end of the first half. Um, and he had the ball clock winding down into the first half, and nobody would have been upset if he had taken like another heat check from behind the three-point line and Toyota Center would have absolutely, you know, erupted had he drilled another three to end the half. But instead of forcing like a contested or semi-contested three-point shot to close out the half, he was looking for his, kind of letting the clock wind down, dribbling the ball out, 
And then Jay Sean Tate kind of came curling around on the wing and had an open three-point shot on the wing. So Jalen kicked uh, kicked the ball over to Jay Sean Tate, and Jay Sean got a wide-open three-pointer to close the half. He missed it, but that's the right read. That's the right basketball play, and it was very reminiscent to that moment also involving Jay Sean Tate where in Kevin Porter Jr.'s 50-point performance against the Bucks, where KPJ was sitting on 48 at the end of the game, and instead of... Uh, in, instead of forcing it and trying to, you know, get his and, and hit the 50 burger, he kicked it to Jay Sean Tate for the the layup inside the paint, right? And or the attempted layup inside the paint, I should say. And that type of read that shows just an insane level of maturity already at this level. And Jalen Green spoke about it post game. He said he doesn't care whether he scores 15 or nine or two or 30. He just wants to do whatever it takes for the team to win games. And so I think that was a really important aspect of this game is everything that he was doing was well within the flow of the offense, right? Only 18 shot attempts. He wasn't out there forcing shots up that were just, you know, you, where you're scratching your head and like, well, why is he taking that shot, right? Like why, you know, he's, he's being a ball hog. He's being overly aggressive. No, only 18 shot attempts to get to 30 points, all very much within the flow of the offense. That's the kind of thing you love to see out of a guy like Jalen Green. And the fact that he still continued to try and get his teammates involved throughout the rest of the night, even though he was absolutely scorching, was still working to try and get his teammates involved throughout the evening. Didn't worry about just getting his. You love to see that level of maturity out of Jalen Green. Coming up, I do want to talk about Jay Sean Tate. I also want to talk about KPJ and then a couple of takeaways from the rotations to this point for Steven Silas. We'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, you got to pick the right ones, right? And the right ones for you are Built Bar. They are the best protein bar on the market. They got so many amazing flavors to offer. Mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. Cannot go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. Every single bar, low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're on a keto diet, great if you're trying to lose weight. And you can check it out. Just visit Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off the best-tasting protein bars at Built.com. And another message from our friends over at rockauto.com because look, why on earth, if you know, if you know how to do any kind of DIY stuff with your car, why on earth would you want to spend up to 30, 50, or even hundred percent more for the exact same auto parts? Not only that, but wasting your time, right? If you drive in person down to the local, you know, auto parts store down the street, right. And you're just like, Hey, I need this part for my car or truck. And they're going to say, okay, well, we don't even carry that in store. They're going to have to go to their computer. They're going to have to order online. And you're probably going to pay a lot more money for that part. And then you have to wait for it to ship in all that stuff. Right. And you've wasted your time going in person. Just pull out your phone, go to your computer, visit rockauto.com. Their catalog is so easy to navigate. You can quickly find all the brands and specifications that you need for your car or truck. And Hey, once you find what you need, once you've checked it out and visited their website and you found the little part that you're missing or whatever, and you're hitting the checkout icon, be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts for your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Final thoughts on the Rockets 107-97 loss against the Boston Celtics. Now, defensively, Jay Sean Tate felt like he was really really involved in this game. Um, there were a handful of times, both he and, and Alperin Shingun, I thought did a really great job of just 
scrapping and fighting for those loose balls, creating some havoc defensively, um, forcing steals. On Al P, before I continue on the Jay Sean Tate train, I mean, there was that one possession defensively where Al P was switched on to Dennis Schroeder, had him, you know, he was on an island with Schroeder on the perimeter, and Schroeder, you know, beat him off the dribble. So Al P got beat, recovered, managed to get back and block Schroeder's shot. Like, Alpi's defense has been so consistent. He, again, the foul trouble is absolutely there. And as like most rookies, he's going to struggle with fouling out. Um, but as far as just his defensive awareness, and I think that's what plays into why his passing is so elite at this level already, is he just has great situational awareness and he has a solid understanding of where to be and when to re and just solid reaction time. Like his processing speed of the game is just through the roof, both offensively and defensively. He sees things and his reaction speed to them in real time is so absurdly quick. So even when he does get beat off the dribble by a quicker, smaller, faster player on the perimeter, he's able to turn around and get that recovery. And he times himself so well when he's attempting to block shots. Um, we saw it all during summer league. We've seen it, you know, in spurts throughout these first three games. Al P is a stellar defender. Like I, I would argue, no, not even argue. He is the Rockets best big defender right now out of him, Christian Wood and Daniel Tice. And that's where I see the main argument falling for Rockets fans who want Alper and Shingun to start over Daniel Tice. I get it. You're seeing a lot of talent out of him. You want the youth movement to start in full, but the Rockets are already trying to establish three young, young players in Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Alper and Shingun. And having all three of them in the starting lineup doesn't exactly service anybody. Like, you've got to stagger some of the veterans in there. You've got to kind of mix and match some of their minutes. And then in addition to that, I think they're also, like, Silas is also really kind of, I think he's leaning on Alpi's playmaking ability in that bench unit. Because if he's relying on KPJ as the primary facilitator and playmaker and Jalen Green to an extent in the starting five, then he can lean on Al P to be kind of a secondary, if not primary creator in that secondary unit. So I think that may be a part of what's playing into that. But again, I think Al P will start at some point this season. It's just not going to happen within the first five games. So pump the brakes there. Jay Sean Tate, uh, again, he has been doing all the little things, all the dirty work for this team throughout the first few games. This one, 12 points, four of eight shooting, 0 of two from behind the three-point line. And I think that's going to be, again, that's the one area where it's just, if he can find some consistency behind the three-point line, what I do like to see though, is he's pulling that shot with confidence. When he gets those three-point shot attempts, I don't want to see him shying away from them. I want to see him pulling with confidence from behind the three-point line. And we saw that in this game, both times that he took those threes, had eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, doing a lot of little things defensively, uh, offensively. I I would hope to see that we can, and it's a little bit harder, I guess, with the way that Boston was defending. But moving forward, I'd like to see Jay Sean be utilized as a cutter more in the Rockets offense. And I know that's going to be tough depending on if they're not running as many set plays, if they're kind of just running a bit more of a free-flowing offense. But Jay Sean's innate ability to read and react and cut, um, he's just he's got natural instincts as a cutter. And I believe there was one this game where, where Christian Wood had the ball down low and Jay Sean cut in from the three-point line and Christian Wood was able to feed him for an easy two at the rim. So I want to see a little bit more out of him in that regard because I think he's so adept at cutting to the rim. And I think that's something that the Rockets offense could use a little bit more of is some of those off-ball actions to get players diving and slashing towards the rim rather than just operating solely out on the perimeter. 
So want to see a little bit more of that out of him. But that kind of brings me fr- from there. I want to segue into Kevin Porter Jr. Because I feel like Rockets fans are going to, this is going to be the ultimate test for Rockets fans this season is the up and down roller coaster of, you know, KPJ and, you know, one game he's great. One game he struggles, one game he's okay, one game he's phenomenal. You know, it's it's going to be a true learning experience for Kevin Porter Jr. In this game, he had 15 points, 5 of 12 shooting, 3 of 7 from behind the three-point line. Eight turnovers, though. Had three rebounds, three assists, but eight turnovers. And while I do think there's some areas of KPJ's game that he needs to clean up, uh, as like sometimes the passes just are a little lackadaisical, you know, not, not enough juice behind them, not enough urgency behind the passes. Um, I do think that he made a sacrifice in this game that Steven Silas spoke about post game. So let's hear what Steven Silas had to say about KPJ. Uh, I'm not putting any pressure on him to, to really uh, succeed and all that stuff. Like I'm, I just want him to play as free as he can and, and play well. Uh, but I do think Scoot did a really good job of helping him tonight. Like there were times where Scoot was like, hey, you take it, you know, and he brought the ball to the floor some and Scoot played off the ball some. So uh, I, I definitely credit Scoot for some of that um, aggressiveness on Jalen's part because uh, Scoot wants to have the ball the whole time, then it's hard for uh, Jalen, you know, at times. But uh, Scoot was very intentional about getting Jalen going tonight. And uh, that shows like big time maturity from him. So I teed that up a little bit awkwardly because Steven Silas was actually talking about Jalen Green and his performance, but how KPJ, you know, affected Jalen Green's performance in this game. So I apologize for that. Um, I couldn't quite remember how the clip started out for, for Steven Silas's quote, but point being, KPJ was was intentional about wanting to share the ball more with Jalen Green to allow Jalen the opportunity to get into his rhythm. And absolutely, that that clearly worked in this game because Jalen got off to such a strong start. We saw them kind of sharing the 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 ball handling, uh, you know, responsibilities rather than just it being primarily KPJ over the course of the entire game. And I think that was you know that definitely helped Jalen Green a considerable amount. And by extension that may have taken KPJ out of his rhythm a little bit, right? We know that KPJ is very clearly a rhythm player. We've seen a lot of that. That's why last season when John Wall was playing alongside KPJ, we saw some games where KPJ struggled when his usage rating was significantly lowered by playing alongside John Wall. He had some of his worst games as a Houston Rocket. So it's finding that balance of sharing the basketball between Jalen, between Kevin, so that those two can coexist on the basketball court together, as well as kind of polishing up some of the little things that he needs to do as the point guard, right? He needs to probably clean up his like entry passes a little bit into the post. I think that's an area that, uh, of his game that could be, you know, cleaned up just a little bit. But we saw, you know, we, we saw KPJ basically take a backseat to allow Jalen Green to shine. And that shows a lot of maturity, like Steven Silas said. So I just wanted to highlight that and point that out for people who are already jumping off the uh, KPJ point guard experience because it's going to take time. This entire season is a developmental season. So we need to give Kevin Porter Jr. the amount of time, like give him the whole season. And if it doesn't work by the end of the season, if there isn't like noticeable improvement as the season goes on, then sure, maybe we revisit this topic in the summer and we decide, okay, KPJ can't be the point guard of the future. But we're three games into the season. So give it some time. 
take a deep breath. KPJ is incredibly talented, and I think he's going to get it figured out. Lastly, that brings me to the rotations that we saw in this game. Um, and I think I've got a couple other final thoughts too. Just, um, but on the rotation side of things, you know, we knew coming in that Steven Silas said he was probably going to run a nine, maybe a 10 man, a 10 man rotation. And so there was, you know, some speculation that we had leading up to the season. Okay. Who's going to get squeezed ultimately from the rotation. And by and large, it's kind of the same rotation that I had predicted early on, which was the starting lineup, the starters, um, Eric Gordon being kind of the sixth man off the bench. And then you've got DJ Augustine, Alper and Shingun, uh, and, uh, David Nwaba and Daniel house jr. Kind of sharing, that final ninth spot, give or take. Um, but you've got, again, David Nwaba and Daniel Hush Jr. kind of in that 9-10 spot with Steven Silas favoring one or the other, depending on matchups, depending on opponent. So David Nwaba getting more burn against OKC, Daniel Hush Jr. getting more burn in this game against the Boston Celtics. So it seems like those two are kind of the two guys on the cusp of the rotation that are going to be kind of cycled in and out at that wing spot, depending on what's needed. And then lastly... That brings me to KJ Martin, who he is the guy that basically got squeezed from the rotation because largely I figured Garuba, Christopher, and Armani Brooks were not going to see consistent minutes on a nightly basis. Um, Garuba and Christopher are probably going to get a lot of time at the G League level. So why has KJ Martin gotten gotten squeezed from the rotation? He's really, really talented and arguably might be able to provide more of an impact than... David Nwaba and Daniel House Jr. have situationally to this point. KJ Martin's feeling it too because he went on Twitter after the Celtics game and just tweeted out patience with a little like clock emoji. So he's feeling it too. I know that after that stint that he had last season, especially the games where he became a starter, he, you know, put up some serious numbers. He is still really young. He's really raw. And the Rockets are working on developing so many young talents right now that I think Steven Silas is doing his best to, again, manage having the veteran presence on the court alongside and with the young talent that they have and kind of, again, mixing and matching those parts. I don't think it means that K.J. Martin is buried in the rotation forever, but at the same time, I wonder how long it's going to take for Daniel House Jr. to be squeezed from the rotation because while I do enjoy and, and like what David Nwaba brings. I think that in this game against the Celtics, Daniel House Jr. was clearly the weak link on the Rockets' second unit. He, If he's not hitting shots offensively, if he's not hitting threes, um, his defense has regressed a little bit. I just don't see exactly what he's bringing to the table uh, if he's not scoring the ball offensively and, and if he's going to keep making defensive miscues, had a turnover, um, you know, not a great little 14-minute stretch from Daniel House Jr., just not a lot of productivity out of that spot. So I'd much rather see those minutes either A, go back to David Nwaba, because I feel like he does a great job crashing the glass. He's great in transition. Uh, he kind of gets his own, but in a different way from Daniel House Jr. He's a more effective cutter and finisher at the rim. And then if if not David Nwaba, I'd like to see KJ Martin get the nod in the rotation. Um, but that's kind of the interesting aspect right now of, of Steven Silas's rotations is how is he going to be moving these guys around? He's still getting kind of accustomed to which guard rotate, you know, which guards does he pair with who? Um, we haven't seen anything concrete yet other than we know that the starting lineup is largely locked in now with KPJ, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, and Daniel Tice. Um, and then we know that the big man rotation, you know, Steven Silas has been favoring pairing a lot of Alper and Shingun and Christian Wood together, as well as giving Al P some time on the floor by himself, Christian Wood some time on the floor by himself, um, largely making sure that Daniel Tice is out there with somebody else, though, with one of the other two bigs. 
uh, to, to kind of play off of, as well as giving him minimal minutes in, in these games so far. So going back to the game here for, for just a moment to before we wrap things up, you know, the Rockets did have that competitive first half, and then things really kind of got away from them in that third quarter. Um, that was when the Celtics got to the free throw line a lot in that one. Al Horford doing a lot of damage at the charity stripe in that quarter. The Celtics as a team were 9 of 10 in the third quarter from the charity stripe on their way to their 36 points. Al Horford, again, having a really big quarter there. Dennis Schroeder doing some damage. Marcus Smart scoring all eight of his points in that third frame. Um, and then the Rockets, that was where they just – it really felt like their offense got kind of bogged down in that third quarter. Only 18 shot attempts, only hit seven of them, shot just under 40% from the floor in that quarter. Um, Jalen Green didn't hit any of his threes in that quarter. It was, you know, the switching defense really kind of stepped up to another level for the Celtics in that in that frame. And I think that was kind of the the quarter where they separated themselves a little bit. KPJ had a couple of his turnovers there. Shingun had a turnover. It was... Overall, I mean, that was when the Celtics really did start to to pull away in this game. And the Rockets are going to learn from that. Steven Silas said this was the first time that a lot of any of these guys on this Rockets team have experienced a switching defense to that level of intensity that the Celtics utilize it. And again, they they kind of the, the Rockets did kind of find their footing a little bit in the in the fourth quarter. They made a bit of a push to try and get back into the game. So I do think that. You know, it's not one of those where you're super concerned about it. It was just the Celtics played like the better, more cohesive. They played like the veteran team, right? In that third quarter, they they made the right reads. They did a good job of getting the rock or getting to the foul line, um, getting the Rockets in foul trouble and getting what they wanted and executing offensively. Whereas defensively, they took the Rockets out of what they wanted to do and made life a little bit difficult for them. So moving forward, it'll be interesting to see what happens the next time this team faces a team that practices a switch everything defense like that. And hopefully they'll learn their lessons from this time around and things will look a little bit smoother the next go around. But for today's episode, that's going to be it. As always, appreciate you checking out the show. Appreciate you making this your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with host Josh Lloyd. He is the fantasy basketball expert that you need to check out. Go listen to him. If you like fantasy basketball, you would love his show. Appreciate you checking out our show. Be sure to subscribe to the brand new YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, free and available on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.